this morning we're going to be talking about that, but before we do so, we've got an opportunity to hear from, from Morgan Zupan. Morgan's more than just our bass player. She has a story to tell this morning. She's going to do it through pictures, but I wanted to, to introduce her by, by doing this. Before church starts, some men, we, we gather about 9.45 and we pray, and on a, a, a dry erase board here at the school, close to where we are at, there was this phrase on there, someone wrote, it says, hey, I encourage you to do something you wouldn't normally do, see what happens. Well, Morgan did exactly that. She did something she wouldn't normally do. She went out of the country. She went to the Dominican Republic with some of the, her classmates from the Northland Christian School. Some of them are here today. Get a shout out from our Northland Christian students. There they are. All right, good. There we go. Awesome. And so Morgan um, is going to share just a little bit about her experience there and how it impacted her. So Morgan, take it away. All right. Um, before I start, I just want to apologize because I have been sick all week, and so I sound like a man, even though I'm not. <laughs> so <laughs> just bear with me with that. But yeah, as Brady said, my name is Morgan Zupan, and I'm a senior at North End Christian. And this summer, in the middle of July, towards the end of July, me and nine other of my classmates got to go to the Dominican Republic for a missions trip this year. And so I'm just going to show some pictures in the background while I'm speaking. And I'm just going to tell you some of the stories that I experienced there and just all that we got to do while we were down there. Uh, so working up to the trip, I really did not want to go. Like you can ask anybody that was friends with me at the time. I didn't want to go. I was trying every possible way to get out of it. I cried. I begged my parents to just give it to somebody else like, that wanted to go because the trip was already all paid for. Um, I didn't want to pack for it. I didn't want to go shop for it. I didn't want to talk about it. I just really didn't want to go. And so I realized that there's no way to get out of it. Like I already paid the $1,500 and I can't really let that go to waste. Um, so working up to getting to the Dominican, once we got to the airport at KCI, like I cried at the airport. I was like, I don't want to go. Like, don't make me. But I went and my friends helped me get through it a lot, like just in the airports, because we had a few layovers that day. My friends were there for me and they helped me get through it. But actually stepping on the plane from Miami to Santo Domingo, like that was hard. I don't know why that was harder than stepping on any other plane, but that was just like, all right, I am doing this. There's no way getting out of this now. Like I'm leaving the country. Um, so that was kind of hard, and then that first night, that first night was awful. I'm just going to lay that out there. <laughs> it was bad. Our air conditioner was out that night, and we were in, like, a room that we normally wouldn't be in, so, like, I was, like, laying there on the bed, and I was sweating. I felt sweat drip down my back, which is really disgusting. Like, I don't like that, <laughs> and, like, I felt like mosquitoes just biting my legs, like, all in the night, and I was just, like, why am I here? Like, God, why did you put me here? I don't want to be here. I'm not going to accomplish anything if I'm not going to want to be here. So that was just really hard. And like, I finally got to sleep because we probably got to the Dominican at like two in the morning. And so I finally drifted off to sleep at like probably 3.30 or 4 finally. And like, as soon as I fell asleep, I heard roosters. Like, I don't hear that here. Like, why are there roosters waking me up? And then there was dogs. And then there was children screaming. And then there was, like, people driving by with their stereos blasting, like, so loud. And I was like, 
I don't want to be here. Like, why? Um, so that morning, I was doing a little better. Like, it wasn't too bad. I still was just kind of like, I don't, I don't like this. And we pulled up to the orphanage. And as soon as like our bus pulled up, we hear children just like screaming around the bus, yelling, Americanos, Americanos. Like they were just like so happy for us to be there. They didn't even know us yet. And I was, like that was like my point where I just kind of changed my perspective. And I was like, okay, maybe this can be a little fun. Like those children sound like they're pretty dang happy. So let's go play with them. Um, <laughs> So while we were at the orphanage, there was two girls that kind of stuck to me. They were both around seven, six or seven years old. Uh, their names were Chantar and Merilese. Um, and everyone started calling them my daughters because they stuck to me so much. Because uh, like just everywhere I went, like there would be, they would be holding my hands or like I would be carrying them. Like they were just attached to me the whole week. And so that was pretty cool that I got to like connect with them. Uh, so a little bit about the orphanage. The orphanage itself is um, like about 14 teenage girls live in the orphanage. Um, but the rest that come in, they're from the streets or like bad homes where like they don't have food. They're in abusive family situations. Um, they really have pretty much nothing. And so every weekday, the orphanage puts food out for them and gives them their lunch. And for most of those kids, that's actually like um, their only meal that they get that day, which is really hard for us to think about. Like, I eat food constantly. Um, so it's really hard to think about like that the only food that they get that entire week is when they come to the orphanage and just get like a little bit of rice and chicken. And that's all that they get for the rest of the day because they just don't have food at home because they just don't have enough money to. So that was just kind of hard for me to like think about like, yeah, it's weird. Um, so the kids, they love to play with our hair because like, they're not used to like our hair. They're not used to like white people's hair. Like, so they were just like fascinated of how like they could braid it. And like they tried to put mine in a bun, but like it wouldn't stay like because it doesn't stay like their hair does. <laughs> so like they would try to put it in a bun and then they just get frustrated. But they love to play with our hair. Um, Actually, one time they were trying to play with one of our girls, Madison. They were trying to play with her hair, but there was only three of us, like only three girls that went, and there were so many children there. Like there was probably like over a hundred children there. So they actually got into a fist fight over Madison's hair because <laughs> they both wanted to play with it, and there was like five of them like pulling on Madison's hair, and like through. I couldn't understand what they were saying, but it sounded like they were getting really into it. Like, they were getting pretty feisty. <laughs> and um, they also like to call us caballos, which is Spanish for horse. So that was a big thing for them. So if they came up to us and they were like, caballo, caballo, then like we would have to put them on our back and they would tell us to run and we would have to run all over the orphanage with them on our backs, <laughs> which it was cool. But at the same time, I got really tired of carrying people on my back. <laughs> Um, at one point we went to a refugee camp, which that would be like the people who their homes got knocked down by the earthquake that happened a few years ago, or um, they're just like the poorest of the poor people, like they have nothing. Their houses are just like metal sheets that they put up just to try to provide some shelter. And 
like they have nothing. And like some of the little kids, like they had clothes, but like they were just running around with no clothes on. And they just, they don't have anything, but like they were really happy. Like the children were like happy to play with us. They were content running around and like playing patty cake or like Simon Says or something. Like they were just content with what they had, which was pretty much nothing. Uh, but it was kind of funny. Um, a guy that came with us, Blake, he has a tattoo on his arm right here, but the children, they didn't know what a tattoo was. Like, they didn't understand what that was. So, like, they were all crowding around him and, like, trying to, like, peel it off, I think. I don't know what they were trying to do, but they were, like, just pinching it. Like, they couldn't understand what it was. And I thought that was just the funniest thing because we were all confused of what was happening because there was just a horde of kids around him, and they were just, like, trying to, like, tear off his tattoo somehow. <laughs> um... And then um, one day, there's this mountain, like, kind of just, like, down the road from the house that we were staying in, and the locals call it God's Mountain. Basically what it is, uh, it's, like, just, like, a little hike up to the top, and then there's, like, this huge cave in there, and, like, what the locals do is they, like, put up tents and beds and, like, cots and stuff in there, and they use that to fast and to pray and to meditate on God's word, which was really cool. And there's like scripture written on the walls. Um, so we got to go up there one day and me and Blake led in worship up on the mountaintop and we had some devotions and got to explore the cave, which I was not really into because I walked back and I heard bats flying above me. <laughs> and I was like, nope, I'm not doing this. I don't want to get attacked by a bat. <laughs> Um, apparently a lot of kids in our group, though, did enjoy the bats. I don't understand that, though. Um, and then one night, I think it was Saturday night, we went to a baseball field, and they had a Christian conference going on. Uh, most of it was in Spanish, so I didn't really understand it. But from what was translated to me, uh, there is this, like, uh, like politician official that the president sent to go speak at this conference um, and from what was translated to me he basically told the Dominicans like hey like this is the Dominican Republic we believe that marriage is between a God or between a man and a woman is not between man and man or woman and woman and so we're never going to be like America in that and so I thought that was pretty cool. And they have, like, a lot of country pride down there. Like, they were all chanting and screaming every time they mentioned the Dominican Republic. But that, I thought that was cool that this third, third world country that has nothing is saying, like, hey, we don't want to be like America. We don't want to accept that. Um, so that was pretty cool. I didn't know what he, he was saying that at the time, but it was just all gibberish to me. But for <laughs> afterwards, I was like, hey, like, that's kind of cool. Um, a lot, a big shock to me was the culture difference. I wasn't really prepared for that. I was prepared for like playing with children or like staying in a different country, but I didn't think I would experience the culture like I did. And that was pretty cool, um, except for the first night. That loudness got me. Like I was like, why is it so loud here? Like I live by a highway and it's not that loud there. <laughs> But it's just like everywhere you go, there's chickens in the middle of the road or like cows just walking down. Uh, there's children screaming or loud music playing. Like there's like cars there where they open up the trunk and they just put this ginormous stereo in it. And they just stand in the trunk and blare their music going all through the country. 
And I'm like, I'm all for good sound systems, but I feel like that's a little bit excessive. <laughs> um, and it's just dirty, and the whole country, you could ask anyone that went down there, the whole country just has a certain funk to it. It just smells bad everywhere you go, and I don't know why. It just does. We went to the market one day, and this was disgusting. I was, really, I was about to puke after this. Um, we went to the market, and it's, all their market is like open air market. Like it's not a grocery store. It's like just on the street, and like there is like a few like fruits and vegetables, and like okay, that's nice. And then we get to where there's meat out. Like there's just raw like cow beef, like just hanging out on the counters, or just chicken feet. And there's like fish. Like there's a guy scaling a fish right in front of us and trying to sell it to us. Like, no, I don't want that. Like you just scaled that right in front of me. Um, but then this really got me. I pretty much I got nauseous after this. There was a cow head, like a literal cow head hanging from the ceiling in the back of the market. And there was still blood dripping from the neck. It was really gross, but apparently that's normal to them. <laughs> Um, but the streets just have like dirt and trash and rubble on it. Uh, there's just people going everywhere, especially they're driving. Their driving can be best described as fish in a sea. You pretty much go wherever you want and whoever's biggest wins. And so you can tell like a lot of motorcycle accidents happen down there. Because um, motorcycles are their number one transportation. So if you're in a bus, like the people better move for you. Like there's no road rules really. You just go wherever you please and hope that people see you. And that was really scary and I did not like that. <laughs> um, uh, we also got to go to the capital one day, which is Santo Domingo. And like we got to explore like this old fort and it was cool and whatever. But then there's this park and it's called Christopher Columbus Park. And the pigeons there are so used to people that like they will just come up and like land on you and you can just feed them and they'll just like crowd all around you. And like all my friends were like feeding them and like Madison had one on her head. And I was like, no thanks, like that's not for me. And all my friends were like, Morgan, like, come on, you have to do it. Like, you're never going to be here in this place again at this time with these people. And I'm like, I just really don't want a pigeon to poop on me. Like, <laughs> I just don't want that. Um, but finally they convinced me. So I had to have one guy hold out my hand and, like, two other people behind me so, like, I wouldn't move. And finally they came up, and I had probably four on my arm. I think there's a picture up there somewhere. I don't know where it is. Um, yeah, right there. <laughs> I probably had like three or four on my arm at a time, and it wasn't enjoyable. Any means, like, I wouldn't want to go do it again. But I am glad I did it because it just taught me to go outside my comfort zone. And if I do go outside my comfort zone, I'm not going to die. Um, so I'm glad my friends made me do that, even though, like, it hurt. Like, they were scratching up on my arm. It wasn't enjoyable. Um, but I'm glad I did it. It just taught me and helped me get, be a little more adventurous and get outside my comfort zone a lot. Um, also, there is this drink down there that we don't have up here, and I fell in love with it. It's called merengue. And I've been trying to search for it everywhere in America, and we did not have it. And what it like, tastes like, it's like a carbonated banana Laffy Taffy. And it sounds disgusting, but it's really good. And I don't know why we don't have it here. 
but <laughs> uh, but like all of their pop was like still made with real sugar. Their coffee was like delicious because it's fresh, like it's Dominican coffee. Their chocolate is different too. Like it like almost like dissolves in your mouth. I would say it's weird, but it's really good. Their food down there was so good. Like their rice and chicken, it was just it was good. <laughs> I miss it. Um, the language barrier, for me, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I knew enough Spanish to communicate at like an elementary or like six-year-old level and enough to like point to where we're supposed to go or whatever. And the children knew that we couldn't speak Spanish very well, so they were good at sign languaging what they were wanting from us. Um, a lot of people, it was a language barrier. Like, it was kind of hard. Uh, one of the girls, Tori, she had never taken a Spanish class before going down there, so she only knew a few phrases. And I don't know the full story behind this, but I think she did it on purpose. I'm not for sure. But she goes out to someone, and she goes, El baño es en fuego, which means the bathroom is on fire. And they were just like, what? Like, the bathroom's on fire? And, um, I think that was like the only phrase that she knew how to say. So she just went up to someone to see their reaction and see how they would say it. Um, it was a few, a lot of people did have trouble with that. Like they would think that one word meant something, but it would mean something completely different. Um, like one guy thought that noche meant ball, but it meant night. So when he was playing basketball, he was pretty much yelling, night, night, like here, give me the night. <laughs> like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, and then one night, we thought that we found a tarantula in the basement because that's really common down there to find tarantulas and like things like that, which um, I'm not into that. That's not okay to me. Um, anyway, someone thought that they saw a tarantula in the basement, so we all like go down there and we can't find it. And I'm like standing like behind some people because like, like I want to see the tarantula, but like I don't want to see it. Like I don't want to get near it. Um, so like everyone could tell I was really on edge. And then one guy he bought a like stuffed scorpion at a souvenir shop and he was standing behind me and he just gently puts it on my shoulder so of course I freak out like I'm like oh no like the tarantula's on me um and so then they all laugh but we actually didn't see a tarantula which I mean some people were bummed out about that I was not but <laughs> um yeah, but we just had like a really perfect team going down there. Like everyone just got along so well. I wouldn't change a thing about it. There was only 10 of us, so like we just did everything together. We just bonded so much while we were down there. And it was just a really great experience for all of us. Um, and towards the end of the trip, we went to this public pool. Uh, apparently it was the dictator's like old bathtub when the Dominican was under a dictatorship. Uh, so this pool was used to be the dictator's like private bathtub, but like since it's now a republic, they just made it into a uh, public pool. It was really cool. It's like a natural spring that they just put like concrete barriers over to make it a public pool. Um, so it was really cool actually. Like, it looked really dirty, but it was pretty clean. Like it's cleaner than a lake. I thought that was cool because like, that's not what our public pools like look like here. Um, so after the trip, I just have become way more adventurous. I'm willing to try new things. I know that getting outside my comfort zone is not going to kill me. I'm all up for trying new food, going and traveling, exploring the country, going out of the country. 
I'm ready to go on more missions trips. I think it was just a blast, and hopefully I'll be able to return to the Dominican next summer. Um, but I just, what I learned from that is God's plan is way bigger than my plan. If it was up to me, I would not have gone on that trip. I would just stay like right in my house, in my coffee shop, not left it. Uh, but I'm so glad that I went, and I would totally do it again. And it was just so much fun. So thank you guys for all your prayers and your support while I went on this trip. And my team, thank you for coming and hearing me speak. That's awesome. So good. Mission trips literally changed my life when I was a young man, and I got to go um, on the first one with actually a guy that's here in our church today, and it uh, wrecked my heart. It wrecked my heart for things of God, and it caused me to want to, to go and to serve, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about our faith in action, which is the purpose of the church. I just want you to know that a church is so much more than just about us gathering here and sitting and waiting for something to happen. It's more than that. It's about gathering here and celebrating and, and worshiping and getting encouraged and expired. And then it's, it's about going out and being the hands and feet of Jesus. So we're going to jump right into that. Did you know that the local church is the hope of the world? Did you know that the church is made up of people? Did you know that you are people? Did you know that? Look at the person next to you. Say, you are people. All right? You're a human being, so that means you are the hope of the world. Look at the person next to you and say, we are all in trouble. You know, in Scripture it says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Nowhere else does it say that about any other institution on earth. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. There's not much hope for our government, but our church is in good hands, right? So our church has a mission statement, and our mission statement is this. As a Christ-centered community, our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father. Because we believe that once you get a taste of His love, then we want you to discover the calling He has for your life. Like He has a purpose for your life. He has a reason for you to breathe in and out. And until you discover what that is, life is not going to be full and it's not going to be complete. Morgan's life is more full and more complete now because she answered the call to go. Resistantly at first, but then she answered the call to go. So I want you to turn in Ephesians chapter 4. Now we've been in Ephesians a lot, but I, I didn't get a chance to, to speak this word when uh, Dr. Sayer was here. And so was, God kind of put it on hold. But I want to share just some truth from this chapter, Ephesians chapter 4. So Paul is in prison. He's writing this letter to the church. So Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Which is a word from, from your pastor, from uh, any fellow believer. You know, as we speak to you and speak to others about living life, we want you to live a life that's worthy of the calling that you have received. He says, be completely humble, all right? This is some ways to function in the body, in the church. Be completely humble, be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, which we don't always do that so well in our families, bearing with one another in love. We don't do that so good sometimes in church. But here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to say, 
Brady, I know you love me. All right, ready, go. And I will listen to you. All right? You know I love you, and I want you to listen. Make every effort, effort, it says, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Do you know that in church life, the enemy of our soul will do everything possible to cause all kinds of discord and dysfunction in the body so the body won't function as well as God wants it to be? It's just true. Therefore, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But it says, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So grace is when you get what you don't deserve. But Jesus has given us all something, just the right amount of it that we need in order to serve him. So that's good news. Like he has he's given us his purpose. Now, let me just make a disclaimer real quick. If you're here this morning and you say, well, I don't know that I'm really a follower of Jesus. I haven't really put my hope in Jesus. I'm not really a Christian. Okay, well, it's just, just listen anyway. But I'm talking to the people who say, yes, Jesus is my Savior. But can I just tell you the truth? Jesus wants to be more than just your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to master. He wants to be your master. He wants to, he wants to, to, to have full access and control to every area of your life and that might freak some of you out but I tell you what it's actually freeing it's not freaky it's freeing to know that Jesus wants control because when he has control when he's driving it's better it's just so much better if we allow him to have full control of our life it says that we get this grace apportioned to us just as Christ desired and in verse 8 it says this is why it says when he ascended on high he took many captives and gave gifts to his people now, what does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? You know, in Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to hold on to, but instead it says he let go of that in order to become flesh and come and make his dwelling among man. He came to take on the very nature of a servant, it says. And ladies and gentlemen, we can learn something from that today. If Jesus, co-creator, Full, full deity, full, fully God and fully man. If he comes to earth to serve, that is our role. That is what he's calling us to do as well, and that is to serve. And so it says that he, uh, he came to these earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all of the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So now Jesus is ascended, ascended to the Father. He's there waiting to come back, and he fills the whole universe. But not only does he fill the universe, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he fills you and me, the church. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the, he gave them to be apostles, to be prophets, to be evangelists, and pastors and teachers. And the reason why he gave the church these gifts is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is the reason he gives gifts to the church, people to teach, people to preach, and people to serve, so that we can equip the rest of the body to serve. All right? So I want to jump into that real quick. So this idea of equipped is this basic idea of putting a thing into condition into which it ought to be. So if you're going to be equipped, you are going to be given the tools necessary to be what you ought to be. Not what necessarily you want to be, not what you are right now, but what you 
ought to be, like what God has desired for you to be. And it is the function of the church, the office bearers of the church, to see that the rest of the members are so educated, that they're so guided, that they are so cared for. Remember, what was the first thing that you needed to repeat? Brady, I know that you love me, all right? And so hopefully you will know more than just an intellectual knowledge of that. You'll actually experience the love, not just from me, but from the rest of the body. So sought out when they go astray that they become what they ought to be. That is the desire of the church. It's that people are they're educated, guided, cared for, and that they're so sought out after they, they go astray. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you've gone astray, where you've just wandered off? You haven't been where you know you needed to be. Maybe parents, you know this as your kids, have they're doing stuff you know they're not supposed to do. And as a parent, what do we do? Well, until they come a certain age, we go after them, right? <laughs> you go searching for them. And then there are times in our life as parents where there's times we have to pull back a little bit and say, all right, if that's what you want to do, you know where I'm at, but I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you fall. I'm going to let you learn the hard way. And that's a tough thing to do as a parent, to let that happen. Because we're just not geared that way. We're not wired that way for sure. But we have to allow that to happen. But as the church, if we know, if you're sitting here today and you like, man, I know so-and-so should be with me here, with me here today because they used to be, but now they're not. It's our role as the body to go in a gentle, gentle way and go to them and say, hey, I miss you. you. You know, the church is not the same when you're not here. Like, we're a part of our body's missing, and we need you to be here. And we, we want you to come. We want to encourage you to come. So we're equipped so that we can be doers of the word, so that we can practically live out this love of Jesus to help others become what they ought to be, right? It's the process. It's the cycle. You become who God's called you to be so that you can go out and reach others so that they can become all that God's called them to be. That's our mission statement, becoming alive. It jumps off the page, and it becomes alive. In Scripture, it says so that we can be unified or built up. You know it's the goal of the church to construct not to destruct. And as, as people, we need to keep that in mind. When people walk in the door, we're not here to destroy them, to point fingers at them. We're here to maybe point out some truth and love. Maybe that hurts a little bit. But we're here to, here to construct people, to build them up, to encourage them, to be all that God's called them to be. So the aim of the church is that the members should reach a stature which can be measured by the fullness of Christ. You know that Jesus is our standard. Jesus is the model. Remember last, I think it was last week or maybe it was the week before, whatever, if you get the, stand before the God someday and you say, well, hey, I knew Brady, but I didn't know Jesus, you're in trouble. Okay, you're just in trouble. Because I'm not the standard. I'm not the measure. I mean, I want to be an example. I want to try to be that way. But remember, I'm human and sometimes I might fail. Okay? Now, if I go astray, you better come after me, all right? Don't let me hang. you got to come after me. But our measure, our fullness is Jesus. He's the standard. So when we look at Jesus, we say, okay, I want to be, this is who I want to be. I want to serve like that. I want to love that way. All right? So that's, that's, that's where we want to go. There is a uh, the story about uh, Florence Nightingale. And she was, uh, one night she was passing through this hospital ward during the Crimean War. And she was passing through this, uh, this hospital ward and she stopped for a moment to attend to this uh, sorely wounded soldier that was there. 
And as she looked down, the wounded lad looked up to her and said, You are Christ to me. You know that as a, as a member of the body of Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, you are someone in whom Christ lives again. Think about that. You think about Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again, and he raises again to live on this planet through you and me. So how you live and where you live and, and what you do while you're living matters. It's crucial to the plan. There is no plan B. We are it. You're thinking, oh, we're in trouble if I'm it. <laughs> but he wants to encourage, he wants you to know that you are it, and he wants to live and move and have his way in you and through you so that everyone can be all that God has called them to be. I want, to, I want you to feel something today. I want you to feel this. I want you to hear this, this story. I've shared, I think I've shared it before, but it's so powerful that I cannot think about the church and the, the purpose of the church and, and the reason why the church is so important and why we must have action that come along with our faith. There was a story about a church in Germany during the time that they were shipping Jewish people down railway, railways to concentration camps. And this one little church was right near the railway. Morgan, I think about your story about hearing the noises. And I know exactly what you're talking about because I've been in countries where you, it's just noisy and you can't sleep, you can't rest. Well, this church, they were worshiping. And when it all began, they heard the train coming. And when the train stopped outside their church, they heard the cries of the people inside the cars like cattle crying out, help me, somebody help me. Stories of people putting their baby, can you imagine, Powell holding his precious little girl, like just, hold, just hanging the baby over the edge, saying, please, somebody take my baby and save it. Save my baby. Because they knew the destruction that was coming. The church was perplexed. What do we do? Maybe like the church in America today. Like, what do we do? So much going on around us. How can we possibly make a difference with all the stuff going on around us. And so the church, they decided after a few weeks of this happening over and the, loud, and the sounds got louder and louder where it was interrupting their worship. And so the church went into action. And they closed their windows. And they sang as loud as they could possibly sing to drown out the cries of the people outside their door. Ladies and gentlemen, if that's the church we are today, God help us all. And you know, you've got to hear my heart on this. We cannot be those people. We cannot. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have the life of the living God living in you, you cannot and should not be those people. And if you don't feel that deeply today, hang in there. Because you will. Because as soon as you start reaching out, like, I don't know what that church could have done differently. They definitely could have tried something, right? You know, at least gone outside and cried out and on behalf of those people and say, we're praying for you. We're crying out to you, for you on behalf of the Lord. And, and uh, if, if, if anything, they could have done something. James chapter 2, it says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith 
saved them. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is, if it's not accompanied by action, it says, that faith is dead. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So that's the case. What are we to do as the church? We'll give you some practical steps as we finish up our time together. First step for some of us here today is to maybe put your faith in Jesus. Maybe that's the first thing you got to do. Because matter of fact, if you don't connect vertically with the Father, you're never really going to be good at connecting horizontally with the people around you. So maybe you need to put your faith in Jesus today, and it's, a, it's confessing Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Like, I believe that. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I call on you the name. I call on the name of the Lord Jesus today. Would you save me? Would you forgive me? I want to walk with you. Be held captive by his love and receive the gifts that he has for you so that you can serve him. Others, those who say that Jesus is your Savior, allow Jesus to be your Lord, the master of every area of your life. And I know that just freaks you out like a freak Morgan out to get on that plane. But man, wasn't it a beautiful experience after she got on it? Maybe right now you're at that, you're at that place where you've got to get on the plane. <laughs> so I'm going to let Jesus have every area. I mean, she trusted the pilot to fly it there. We can, we can trust Jesus more than that because he's proven himself to be worthy. Maybe it's time today to let Jesus have control over your agenda, therefore your time. Maybe it's time this morning to let the Lord have control of your budget, therefore your money. Do you trust God enough to give like you mean it? We don't talk a lot about money here, and you're not going to hear me rail about it, but let me just encourage you to trust God and invest in the kingdom. I promise you, the return on your investment will be greater than anything you've ever experienced before. I dare you to try it. Get involved in a small group, maybe. Let other people know your story. Learn their story. Or just be available. Say, God, I'm available. Like, Here's my availability, whatever you want me to do. I might not be able, but I'm available. Go on a mission trip by going out of the country. Go on a mission trip by going across the street to your neighbor. Serve at Hillcrest. Go to a homeless shelter. Feed the homeless. Jesus says, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. We have a couple opportunities, which by the way, you'll notice in the bulletin, Always notice there's opportunities for you to go and get involved and do something. And it's up to you to, to decide, is it something I can do? Am I available? On the 4th of September, we'll be after, home, hanging out after the football game here at Platte County High School, feeding students and loving on them and just building relationships. On the 19th of September, we're going to go to the Woodland Trace, Belo Mondo Apartments, right here in Platte City. And we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're going to do landscaping and cleaning apartments and do whatever it is that the, that the people who own that place are asking the church, the body of Christ, to do. What an it's an opportunity to go on a mission trip not even leave town. It's going to be awesome. Volunteer to serve here at a ministry at our church. Practical thing you could do right away is just stay for the meeting afterwards. <laughs> 
find out what's going on. There's a piece of paper up here, this, this calendar that we started last week. There's still 13 slots open for you to pick a day during the month that you would be willing to pray for our church. That's a real simple way to get connected. I want all those spots filled up, okay? Or I'm going to come track you down at your house. Sponsor a kid through World Vision or Compassion International or Unbound. Uh, Justin, where are you at? Raise your hand. Justin and his family are, feel called to go to Nicaragua to see the kid that they're sponsoring through this program called Unbound. Talk to Justin about that. Give Justin a check. <laughs> Support him, sponsor him, send him. As we finish up, contact the local school. Talk with the counselor and ask, are there any kids that can't afford their school lunches? Anonymously pay for their school lunches. Feed a kid. Wouldn't that be awesome? Praying for and or blessing people that you come in contact with just each day. Just as you go, as God brings people to you, pray for them. I know we're, we're running out of time, but I've got to tell this story real quick and I'll be done. I had a meeting on Thursday with these two ladies who work for a bank. And they, yeah, you guys can come on up. And they were really coming to me to try to sell me some of their product. Well... I knew right away that wasn't going to work very well because we're not quite ready to, to take out a loan and start building a building or anything like that. We got a few more seats to fill here first. When we get to that place, maybe we'll talk about it. So they sit down and they, were, they, they shared their story, their product. And then I ran into Spencer McMillan who goes to our church and he, Spencer's the one who des helped design the pins that have our church logo on it and that's the business that he does. And, they, and I was like, hey, what's up, Spencer? How you doing, man? We were sitting at Starbucks, and, and uh, the ladies were like, hey, is that a guy that goes to your church? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, he made these pins up. And I said, hey, but let me share something else with you. I think it's really cool. So I got out two of those cards with the $2 bills on them. And for the next 30 minutes, God opened the door as big as you could possibly imagine for me to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And listen, I'm not telling you that so you can think, oh, Brady's awesome, he shares the gospel with everybody. No, that's not me, that's the other Brady. <laughs> this is the tall Brady. <laughs> but listen, the reason why I tell you this, when the door is open, when the opportunity is available, don't miss it. Don't miss it, because when, what happened that particular moment is that those ladies were mesmerized by the good news of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else like it in the world. The gates of hell cannot prevail against that news. And they walked out of there with tears in their eyes, blessed because of the good news of Jesus Christ. And you know, here's the crazy thing. Their model of banking is they go to service the customer. They don't wait for the customer to come to their bank, their bank branch. Guess what? As a church, we do the same exact thing. We don't sit and wait for people to come. Well, we want them to, but then we want to go out to where they are to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. So this morning, as we worship this last song, pray and ask God, what do you want me to do? And then when he reveals it to you, do it. Just do it. Uh, thank you for being here this morning. Bless you. Thanks for coming and just worshiping with us and uh, learning this incredible desire God has for you to receive and to give. There's so much blessing in giving. And so we're getting ready to uh, pray a prayer over the offering. Thank you so much for, for partnering with us here at the Calling Community Church. There's no way we can do it without you. Just can't. And so bless you for that. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, 
the gifts that you give us through your word and through your people. Your people are the greatest gifts. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for expanding Morgan's comfort zone. God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do with her the rest of her life. And thank you that we get to partner with her in that. Thank you for the, the offering that will be received this morning. God, we'd be good stewards with it. We'd sow it into to our community. Things would grow. People would come to know Jesus as a result of it. Bless the giver as well as the gift. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, get to know somebody that you don't know. Visit with someone today. If you're a volunteer, you're interested in volunteering, uh, it's going to be out in the uh, foyer. Like when you walk out the doors to your left, there's some tables out there. Just hang around and we'll have a quick meeting together. Thank you.